Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Angry Author Podcast. My name is Jeb Bond, and today, uh, today I think is going to be the day that I really earn the title that I've given myself for this podcast. Uh, I will embody the angry author, because today's topic is bad writing. So, it'll be a very interesting one to look into. You know, everybody is their own worst critic. It doesn't just have to be writing. Whatever you do for a living, any kind of work that you do, if you're a musician, uh, an artist, anything like that, the saying usually holds true that you're your own worst enemy, you're your own harshest critic. And I took a little bit of self-assessment because one of the cardinal rules in writing is not to overuse adjectives. If you're like me, you're reading a book, you're visualizing it in, in your mind, you're making a movie in your brain, taking what the writer has put on the pages and bringing it to life inside of your own mind. The bad thing with using too many adjectives, too much description is you're projecting what you want them to see instead of leading them to their own interpretation of it. And that's what really connects a reader to a piece of literature. When they can take it and interpret things and put it in their mind, they're going to be hooked. That's one of the things is to be wary with your with your adjectives. Keep your description to a point where it serves the story, but it does not take the reader out of the story itself, out of the book, or gets them to disengage. And I, I'm guilty of this. I'm not going to lie. I do it all the time. Uh, you know, I've gone back through, through manuscripts, things I've written and looked at them. I'm like, Jesus Christ is, uh, you know, there's just way too many actions. It's like, if you've ever gone to a restaurant and the chef just went batshit crazy with the seasonings, it's the same type of thing. Instead of, you know, various spices and seasonings and kitchen witchcraft, it's adjectives. So you you need to be you need to be judicious in your use of adjectives. And I mean that's not me preaching to anybody. That's just you know me sharing my point of view around that. Um, and you know we we always you know as if you're a writer as I am. You often read things with with a critical eye. Even if it's an author that's well-established, that you've been a fan of for a long time, you're still going to have the tendency to to look and be like, eh, I don't know if I would have gone that same route or not. And, of course, at the end of the day, you know, if they're a well-established writer, then, you know, all sources point that they know more than you do. But that's not always the case. How often do you you see a piece of art or you hear music or you see a movie or a TV show, anything created like that that's got this huge buzz, this huge hype around it, everybody's talking about how great it is, everybody's talking about it, period. And it's it's just not that good. Um, you know, I, I'll pick on on an easy one. Uh, I'm, I'm big into music. I've been in bands over the years. And, you know... When it comes to to rock music, one of the biggest selling bands of the last decade plus has been Nickelback. Most of you probably already know where I'm going to go with this. Not a big fan. That doesn't mean that I don't think that there aren't talented people within the band. I just don't like the product they put out. 
I can see why it's popular, but popularity and sales, to me, don't equal talent. They don't equal a well-manufactured product. Um, and I mean, honestly, with music, I don't like to think of it as a well-manufactured product anyway, but that's that's getting sidetracked because I, I want to focus, like I said, on on bad writing with this. So that's that's the key thing, right? I mean, you know, uh, a lot of us out there, myself included, are, you know, independent authors. We might not always have money to go out and hire a professional editor to go through and uh, you know, to make story suggestions, uh, continuity suggestions, anything that an editor does, anything that a proofreader does. So a lot of times that falls on us to do, which is, if you've done it, I don't have to tell you. It's not a lot of fun. It's not, you're not going to have the best time of your life doing this. And the hardest thing is to, is to sit on something for a little bit, because if you finish writing, you know, a 400 page manuscript, the last thing that you want to do and the last thing that you really should do is turn around and start editing. Give yourself a little bit of time to step away from it. Let everything sink in. Enjoy some, you know, a little bit of regularity in your life. Because if you're like me, I write at different times. Lately, it's been the evening when I was working on Bermuda, my first book. You know, I did a lot during the day. I would take my son to school, get back, and write until I had to go pick him up. Now, it would be off and on. I don't want anybody to think that I, I spent, you know, seven hours straight just hammering out, hammering out a manuscript. Because, you know, there's thought and there's research and there's different things that go into it. But that would be the majority of, of my day up to that point. The current project I'm working on, it's been more at night in the evenings, and I've actually focused on setting word count goals to reach each day to be where I want to be by a certain timeline. But getting back to the editing thing, you know, if you jump back into it immediately, you're still thinking, you know, you, you've got, you're much closer to everything, and you, you've got that idea still fresh about what you're trying to convey, so you might not catch every little detail and depending on what program that you use to write with you know it, it's constantly pointing out uh and i'll do air quotes i know you can't see me but i'll do air quotes you know the programs are always going to point out grammatical errors now sometimes it's legitimately a misspelling or maybe it's a a not so common word that the system doesn't recognize it's like hey asshole this you need to fix this don't go any further this is not right you're an idiot. Why in the hell are you trying to write a book? Because you can't even spell a simple goddamn word. It happens. And sometimes the grammatical things that it points out are asinine. If you've ever used Word and you get the little green squiggly line for a quote-unquote grammatical error and then you, you know, you control-click it, you right-click it, whatever, whatever you're using with your setup, it tells you what the problem is and you can either choose to accept its solution or to ignore it. If it's something that you know is not really grammatically incorrect, you'll hit ignore, you'll click to go back down to where you were at to continue writing, and then bam, that little green bastard pops right back up. I don't know why, but that infuriates me every single time that it happens, and it happens without fail. But <laughs> getting back to the original topic, you know, give yourself a little separation, get the story a little bit further out of your mind so that when you get back in to, to go and edit it, you know, you're not you're not still knee deep in that author mindset. 
and you can you can almost treat it, you know, just as, as a book that you're reading. So it gives you the unique opportunity not only to write a book with characters and situations and a storyline that you created, but then you get to go back and read it as a reader and then see what works and what doesn't work. Now, if you're like me, the biggest issue with doing that is patience. I'm, I'm an incredibly impatient bastard. I get something finished, I want to share it with everybody. And it bit me in the ass with my first book. I've, I've still got a paperback copy here, and if I were to skim through it, I would probably find at, at least a few misspellings, grammatical anomalies, things that didn't get updated. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's irritating, but it's whittled down to the point where anybody reading it, I don't think it's going to take them out of the story. They're just going to be like, well, this guy's kind of a dumbass, at least part of the time. I really like this story, but I don't know what, what in the hell he was trying to say here. So no, nothing's been too off the wall with that, but it, it's it's a process, especially when, you know, if you're an indie author, you you wear a lot of hats. You're doing the marketing. You're doing any promotional work. You're doing the writing. You're doing the editing. You might even be doing the cover design. You're the one that's uploading the book in ebook formats to whichever marketplaces that you're that you're selling through. Uh, if you do anything periphery like I do with this podcast, I make uh, book trailers for my works and stuff like that. I've done a soundtrack that, to, you know, kind of thematically go uh, with some of the stuff that I've written, just as a little extra thing to give to to my readers and things like that. So it, it you know, it all takes time. You have to balance all that. On top of that, you know, if you've got a a regular job that you're working, if you've got kids. Whatever else you've got going on in your life, it, it takes a toll. There's a lot that goes on with that. So if I read anything from a, a fellow indie author, small things, you know, I don't look at it and hold it against them because I've been in those shoes. I know what it feels like. I, you know, I understand it. So at that point, I'm really just looking for the story. And as I mentioned in the first episode, the characters. If that stuff is tied together well, then you know they're going to get they're going to get a a positive rating from me because they've put in the work they've shown their talent their creativity so that's really what I look for now however that is not <laughs> that is not the most fun that we're going to have with this now because you know I threw out I I threw out uh, the great Canadian band Nickelback as an example of you know things that are popular things that sell well that I don't necessarily think are high in quality. There's no creative medium that is free from this, including literature. Thousands of examples I could probably choose from of books that have become incredibly famous, made their authors rich, perhaps spawned a, a film franchise. There's one from relatively recent history, you know, it goes back a few years, um, and some of you might already know where I'm going with this, but, um, you know, I, I won't even beat around the bush any more than I already have. And the biggest culprit is Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, I know, I know, low-hanging fruit, been there, done that. Some of you that are listening might even be fans. The books, the films, both. Not sure, can't really say. I've never read the books. I don't plan on ever reading the books. However, I have had, over the years since the first book was released, I have had friends that have read the books. 
and they will show me little excerpts that are written, and I just have to sit there and say, Jesus Christ, how in the shit did a publisher willingly put this out? Now, I understand the argument that it, it's basically just, it's it's just, it's porn. It's a type of porn. You know, people like it, they read it, they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is hot and steamy, and I'm just, to me, the, the writing takes, would you know, from just the excerpts I've seen, there's no way I don't think I could get through a paragraph. And maybe that makes me a hypocrite. Maybe that just makes me an asshole. I'm not going to argue either point. You know, I wear what I am with pride. I know what I am. But to illustrate that point, for anybody that in, has had the absolute pleasure of not having their mind corrupted by what's in the book, uh, I'm going to read a few excerpts. From that, so you might hear a little click in the background because I'm about to to open up a window on my laptop here, um, and just to express how ashamed I am to even be doing this, I opened an incognito tab just to do a search for the excerpts to read this. Um, but um, there's a, a, a site called thestranger.com was the first in the search results I came up, and they actually have got an article that has 50 terrible lines. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to go through all 50. I would probably jump out of the window right beside my desk before I even got a quarter of the way through that. But I do want to take a look at uh, at, at a few choice excerpts. Number one on the list, suddenly he sits up and tugs my panties off and throws them on the floor pulling off his boxer briefs, his erection springs free. <laughs> now, I get what the scene is trying to convey there. It just, it sounds so clunky. It's like if you took, you know, if you took, uh, a, you know, a 45-year-old cat lady, took her her personality and put it into a poorly executed AI and then told it to write softcore porn. This is what it would it would pop out. There's no natural flow to what's being said. I mean, I don't know any ladies that are listening. Maybe you've been in that situation, and, and the first thought that popped through your mind when you took when you took you know when you took the guys underwear off is, oh, his erection has sprung free. I don't know. I I can't comment on that part. It just <laughs> it just yeah, I don't know. It just seems. Uh, it just seems a little off to me. Um, another good quote from the list, uh, and this is a short one. Don't you like the butt drawer? <laughs> Granted, I don't know the context that this came out of from the book. I'm sure that there are many situations in many different books where that line could be, you know, a humorous throwback to something that happened earlier in the story. In this situation, I don't know what the fuck it means. I'm not going to lie. I have no clue what the hell that means. Um, moving on. Uh, here's another one for you. Argon? It rings a distant bell from chemistry class. An element, I think. Who in the fuck talks like that? Honestly, who talks like that? So you walk down the street, and be like, "Oh, look! There's a sign. It says argon." Oh, argon. Well, that rings a distant bell from chemistry class. I believe that's an element. 
If anybody ever talked like that around me, I would punch them in the throat. I would not strike them to kill them, but I would strike them to bring them to their knees. Nobody talks like that. Jesus Christ. Oh, my good Lord. Um, You know, anyway. uh, I think the biggest... The, the biggest one that stood out to me, and I want everybody to brace themselves. If you've stuck with me this far, just brace yourself for this one. He reaches between my legs and pulls on the blue string. What? And a gently pulls my tampon out and tosses it into the nearby toilet. Holy fuck, sweet mother of all. Now, that last line is actually a part of the book, but that was honestly my reaction when I read the the preceding sentence. Holy fuck. What in the shit? Are there people that have, you know, tampon, period fetishes? I don't know. I don't know that part. I realize it's it's a natural cycle that women go through. I'm not disgusted by it. I just don't see where in the grand scheme of a book that's supposed to be erotic, I'm sure there's a a subset of people that that read that and they just, you know, the waterworks start. And I'm not talking about tear ducts. I just, for the life of me, I'm not sure what that is supposed to convey exactly. I I mean, are are they in a a truck stop bathroom because there's a nearby toilet? I mean, are, are, are they at a concert? somewhere outdoors and there's a porta potty. I don't I, I don't know. I don't think that a chemical toilet is a very romantic location. But again, I don't know what in the world's going on here. Uh now the the last thing cuz I mean, it, this is a this is a gold mine of absolute it, to me it's insanity. And I don't want to sound condescending. Like I said, I'm not a world-class writer. I'm not the greatest thing since sliced bread. In my opinion, it's just my opinion. Please feel free. See, I can't even talk on my own podcast. Please feel free to disagree. But apparently, I am a poet. That was pretty good. Uh, Look, feel free to leave me a comment. Tell me I'm a jackass. Tell me I'm wrong. Whatever. That's fine. We can have a dialogue about it. No problem. Uh, But the last thing I want to touch on with it is apparently uh, the 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 female protagonist. I I don't know her name. I'm I'm not going to look it up. If you know it, you've got it. That comes down to that less detail thing and letting the reader put it in their own mind. You know her name, so bam, you can fill in the blanks with that. Um, but there's a series, they have five quotes here that re- where she refers to her inner goddess. The first one says, my inner goddess is beside herself, hopping from foot to foot. Okay, maybe that one's not completely terrible. I don't know what the hell her inner goddess is. I don't know if it's a, a, a separate personality or if it's just some spirit inside of her. Don't know. The next one, my inner goddess fist pumps the air above her Shea Lounge. That makes me want to put my fist through the screen of my MacBook. I'm not going to do it because I can't just run down to Best Buy and buy a new one. So I'm just going to channel it into something else. Uh, Next one, my inner goddess stirs from her five-day sulk. Somebody's been depressed. Good thing that her inner goddess awoke and she can pump her fist in the air above her Shea Lounge. Wow. Oh, let's see. My inner goddess is doing the merengue with some salsa moves. 
I, I don't know. The last one, my inner goddess is doing a triple axle dismount off the uneven bars, and abruptly my mouth is dry. It just... I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. One of the few times in my life I have ever been without something to say. But I've lied to you guys already because that I'm done with that. I've got one more that I, I just I, I just want to to throw out some some comments on. And this is the last quote from I promise. I promise, because I respect you guys too much for sticking with me this far. I promise this will be it. Suppose he returns with a cane or some weird kinky implement. Now, when I see that, my mind draws a parallel. You know, do they consider a cane to be a kinky implement? Does she have a thing about having the shit beat out of her with a walking stick? I, I don't know. There's other things I could say, but I'm not even going to touch on any of that because I value what little Sandy that I've got left too much to do that. But I, like I said, to me, it it just seems disjointed. It seems really, really, really clunky, really artificial. I, I don't know another way to put it. I don't wish any ill will towards the, the author. They have done very well for themselves based off of that work. Uh, I have no idea how much, but I know the book has sold a ton. I know that they did, what was it, three movies? So, you know, they've done well with that. And I mean, good for them. Anybody that will take the time to put themselves out there in the written word or whatever your, whatever your medium is, you know, if you have the courage to put yourself out there, then I applaud you for that. And if you can find fame and fortune and whatever else... You know, again, that that's that's awesome. But Jesus Christ, I I think that I could go downstairs, pick up our Chihuahua, put him on the keyboard of my MacBook, and then spray him in the eyes with pepper spray. Now I would never do that to an animal before anybody gets upset or gets angry. And like, oh, this asshole's gonna abuse animals, he's gonna put I would never do that. I'm just trying to paint a picture. Suppose I did that while he was staying on the keyboard. He could probably pound out in his frantic fits a more coherent set of sentences than anything that I just read. And that's just me. You know, I I, I will be critical of it because that's the same thing. If you put something out there in a public space, people are going to criticize it. If you don't want to be criticized, if you can't handle criticism, don't put anything out there. P.S. That's not an invitation to leave a bunch of shitty, degrading comments on this. But if that's your honest opinion, you know, I I fully support your free speech around that. So knock yourself out with doing that. Uh, just don't be surprised if I leave a reply that tells you to go fuck yourself. I'm kidding. I probably won't do that either. But, I mean, it you know, the whole thing just got me on point with the thought about, you know, how you evaluate different forms of art. Because I'll call literature art. Some people do. Some people don't. I consider it to be an art because it takes a talent. It takes a knack. 
And it takes discipline to, to get it done, even if it's done poorly. There was still some level of initiative, some level of discipline to get it finished. Like I said, it could be a complete turd, but you know there was still some amount of effort that was put into it. And I'm not saying that you have to respect it for as anything more than what it is, but I'll still give the creator, you know, the proper recognition for at least you know putting some effort in, into getting their name out there to getting something that they created out into the world. But, uh, you know, I mean, the world is, it, it, it's so full. And I mean, anybody, you know, any of my fellow independent authors that, that publish, be it, uh, you know, talking strictly from the ebook side right now, but if you publish, say, through Amazon, biggest marketplace in the world, depending on what your genre, your subgenre, whatever is, there's a lot of competition out there. Inevitably, that means there's a lot of subpar work that's out there. And when I say subpar, I don't mean anything that that I would personally myself rate at, at, at like three stars out of five. I'm talking about things that would be lucky to scrape a, a one-star review from even the most generous reviewer. You know, I mean, it's out there. And that's not just with, with literature. It's with music. It's with anything, as I've said repeatedly. Sometimes people latch on to things like that, and, and it, it gets built up as a lot more than what it is. And then you have people like me that'll sit here and pick it apart and make it even bigger than what it is. And I mean, that's that's just all part of the circle of of, of, of life. You know, we'll throw in a Lion King quote. That is from the Lion King, right? I was never a big Disney person. I'm sorry. Uh, one more reason for people to, to, to want to uh, bring their torches down here and, uh, and run me out of town. But, you know, it, it is what it is. The bottom line, though, is, is with bad writing is finding the balance between being overly critical and then being constructively critical of your work. Like I said, I think the greatest thing that you can do is, one, don't, don't edit on the fly unless it's a skill that you have mastered. Because... I guess it depends on how well or how how detailed your outline is going into writing a manuscript. Personally, I, I, I'm not a big outline person. Uh, I'll take some vague ideas and put them together so I can have an idea of where I want the story to go. But uh, I, I kind of like to organically be in the moment when I'm writing. And, and sometimes things change along the way. It, it, even with a detailed outline, you know, things are still going to change. But you don't know when, when something could become a callback later or, you know, you drop little clues and you don't want to edit it to the point where to you in the moment it makes sense to edit it that way. But to the reader in the grand scheme of things, it can derail the story or it can take away some of its impact. Uh, you know, I stand by my earlier comment, have it completed, take some time away, however long that you think. Because, I mean, nobody knows you better than you. Nobody knows me better than me, except for probably the devil. The devil will be like, I know I know that bastard pretty good. But finish it, take some time away. If you're not sure if you've taken enough time, one, you probably haven't. But two, you know, look at the look at the first uh, few paragraphs of your manuscript. And if you if you still in your mind you have that feeling where you're locked in in writer mode, then you need to put it back away and take some more time away from it. Come back at it fresh. 
with a fresh perspective. I know nobody's going to sit here and forget, you know, a novel that they've written, especially if it was done in the last month. You're not going to forget. But, uh, you know, you, you want it to be fresh in your mind. You, you're still going to know the characters. You're going to know the overall story. You're going to know the character arcs. Everything like that. The action scenes. You're going to know all of that stuff. But there could be small details. There could be transitions that are completely lost to the depths of your memory. And when you see them, you'll probably have little memories pop up like like ghosts in the fog. But, uh, you know, it's to get that fresher perspective. Put yourself in the mindset of a reader. Now, of course, another option is to use beta readers, which, you know, there, there are sites like Prolific Works and different places like that where you can, you know, offer up uh, samples or beta reader copies so that readers that are not directly affiliated with you can read it and give feedback. Uh, hopefully you get matched up with people that are interested in the genre, which when you list it, you know, you have to put that information in. So you hope that people aren't just out there scrounging for free eBooks and are actually interested in the, in the, at least the genre that you're writing in so they can give honest feedback about what they thought. Uh, likewise, if you've got a mailing list, which is, I, I know it seems strange to everybody in this day and age, how, how important email can be to marketing, but having a mailing list is an invaluable tool. Um, you know, use your social media, people that, you know, that, you know, maybe not your best friends, maybe not your mom or your dad or anybody like that, but you know, people that you know that are interested in reading, reach out to them through so social media, reach out to the people on your mailing list and say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for X amount of beta readers. Uh, I'll supply you with a copy of, of my manuscripts, uh, you know, formatted for what, you know, whatever device. Cause you know, that's easy enough to do. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, like a final print formatting, but something that's going to be readable and appealing to them. Uh, you can use a tool. Uh, personally, I use Caliber, which you can use to convert, uh, like hypothetically, you could convert a Microsoft Office or a Microsoft Word file into a, a Mobi, which is what you know Kindle uses. Uh, EPUB, PDF, you can convert all through that. Um, reach out to them, let them know, hey, I'm I'm looking for beta readers, uh, and you can limit it to however many you want. You can say, hey, the first you know ten people, the first fifteen people, however many you know, pick an arbitrary number. It could be fifty-seven. However many you want to include, uh, just tell them to drop you a line and let you know. Send them the book and just make sure they understand. Because nobody wants to be demanding of people, especially people that support your work, that enjoy your work, that are following what you're doing, that know that you're out there, you know, working on what you're working on. You know, we don't ever want to feel like we're, we're forcing something on them or pressuring them to do anything. But just let them know, hey, you know, this you can have this copy. This is yours. Um, but by, you know, set a date, a realistic date and let them know, Hey, just make sure, you know, that, that you, that you read this and, and just give me your feedback. what do you think about the characters? what do you think about the story? Did you notice, uh, you know, grammatical errors, things that I need to address before I put this out for the world? Uh, and of course I would do that in the initial invitation, give them a time frame of what you're looking at, because, you know, a lot of times there are going to be people that want to help out, but, you know, depending on what commitments they've got going on in their life, they might not have as much, you know, they might not have the time. They might not be able to commit. And maybe they'll reach out to you anyway. And, you know, depending on what you've got set up, you know, 
you might be able to work with them and give them a little bit of extra time just so you get that that added amount of feedback. Um, and of course, don't you know? Don't ever go and completely scrap or rewrite what you've done because of that feedback. You know, just just take a look at the overall. Look for, you know, look for patterns in the feedback that you get. Uh, you know, if you have ten people tell you, well, you know, it, it, you know, page two ten, uh, you know, he went over to that old warehouse and met Bobby in there, but you know, it was never really clear who Bobby was or. Well, Bobby seems like he might have been this character that popped up in Chapter 2, but back then his name was Warren. And, you know, you want to make sure that there's consistency, that the story flows and and it doesn't, you know, you want to raise the right questions. Who's doing this? Why are they doing this? As long as you can deliver on the answers for those questions. You don't want to raise the questions like, who the hell is this guy? Where did he come from? Why did his name change? Why is he suddenly evil? You know, and, and even that last one, it depends on how you handle it in the story. So there's always some interpretation, but you want it to flow as smoothly as possible for your readers. Yeah, uh, you know, without a doubt, because ideally, at the end of the day, whether you sell ten copies of something or ten million copies of something, it's going to be the readers, duh, that are out there buying it. They're going to be the ones that are, you know, supporting your work. So you definitely, you know, you don't want to just specifically go out and cater and compromise, but you want to make sure that it's something that they'll actually be able to enjoy. You know, nobody wants to spend money on anything and then, you know, at the end of the day, be like, what the hell was that? You know, I'm the same way. I don't want to have to deal with that. Uh, But at any rate, uh, I am finished with my rant for today. Uh, I thank you guys for joining me. I hope that you stuck around to the end so far. I know that this one was a, a, a quite a bit livelier than, than the first two I put out. Uh, you know, as I mentioned the comments um, on my second video about the Hurricanes being back in the playoffs, that's right. Uh, you know, we were having some work done, a lot of stuff going on, so I, I was trying to work around with that. Today, I just, I'm letting everything fly. But uh, thank you again for your time. Uh, I would like to once again invite everybody who has not already done so to visit my website. Uh, it's just my name, but I'll spell it out since this is an audio medium and you can't see anything with it. So it's uh, Jeb Bond, that's J-E-B-B-O-H-N dot net. It'll take you to a nice little landing page. Uh, you just follow a prompt there. Submit your email address so you can join my newsletter. And as I've stated before, I don't spam folks. I don't do anything iffy with your information. It stays on my list. I send out a newsletter, you know, depending on what's going on, maybe once a month. You know, if I've got an event going on or anything like that, you might get two in a month. But I really think that's been about the peak of anything that I've sent out. Anyway, once you do that, you'll be directed to a page where you can download a free copy of Random Synapse Misfire. Volume 1, and yes, I realize that the proper way to say that is Random Synaptic Misfire, but I've always liked the name Random Synapse Misfire. I used it for a photography business that I'd done in the past. I like the name. So move past that, but uh, it's a horror anthology novella. It's uh, three stories. Uh, I enjoy it. I liked, I enjoyed writing it. I did it right after I finished my first novel. I wanted to do something a little bit different. And I've already I've always liked the uh, horror anthologies, so be sure to visit the website, uh, sign up for my newsletter, get a free copy of that, uh, read it, love it, 
uh, send me some feedback. Let me know what you thought. Uh, if you're checking this out on YouTube, feel free to leave a, a comment. Uh, be sure to like the video. Subscribe. I put up book trailers, uh, little janky videos for the, the music that I've made for the soundtracks. And then, of course, I update all the new podcast episodes there as well. So be sure to do that. Uh, you can follow me on any social media platform that you like. Even the ones that you don't like, do it out of spite. All the links will be in the description of this video. But until next time, I am the Angry Author.